This is Faith Over Breakfast, Season 3, Episode 1. everybody this is eric i'm all by myself i just put together a short little podcast for you um on politics the gospel um and what the holy spirit is doing tribal church those kinds of things so i hope you enjoy hope i uh don't ruffle too many feathers um thank you for listening to faith over breakfast and oh by the way as andy always tells you that i should say my name is eric seepin i'm pastor of the village church in tucson arizona Faith Over Breakfast. This uh, podcast is titled No Andy because he forgot to tell me he was out of town. So I'm going to do this podcast solo. And really it's just going to be a short little podcast. Um, Maybe the musings of Eric's mind in the morning when there's nothing in there. But I thought I'd just talk into the microphone to nobody uh, across from me or next to me and say that I am really excited about what God has been doing in my community. I'm excited about the, the growth um, in people and in transformation in people's lives. Um, and so here I am just thinking about things. I've been a pastor now for uh, really probably been a pastor since 1998. So at least 20 years I've been doing this, um, speaking, counseling, trying to figure out what it looks like to bring the gospel to people in a way that they can grab hold of it and understand and connect to the spirit. And we live in this age now where it seems to me that we no longer really actually know what is true. In fact, at the dinner table last night, we were joking around uh, my family And my son, uh, somebody said, well, that's the facts. And my son said, well, the facts are debatable. And we've come to this point where we have broken down language uh, to a place where we can have it say anything we want it to say. Um, I would argue that in our American culture, when when you look at our leaders, in particular, Bill Clinton and George Bush, one Republican, one conservative, the way they ran both their campaigns and then their eight years in office, um, both of them employed many different, uh, what I would call postmodern strategies. They used language, um, to get what they want in a different way than it used to be and to get themselves out of things um, that normally you probably wouldn't be able to get out of. Uh, and I know that I, I'm not going to go into detail on that. And you might be going, well, what are you talking about, Eric? That doesn't make any sense. But 
notice, I mean, if you just think about the kinds of conversations we're having around gender, the kinds of political conversations we're having, in fact, really in postmodern theory, at least certain strains of postmodern theory, uh, truth really is only comes by the person or group who's in power. The, the, The community of power is able to determine what is true. And you see this in our present president and you also see it in our previous president that that we're the truth itself and the way we narrate the way things are um, comes from the people in power and the language they use and you can't use any other language to counter them in fact what i would i would say that donald trump has done this very successfully is he's used language almost as a machine gun and if you can fill up the space with language it doesn't really matter if what you're saying is true or not you just need to overwhelm everyone else's language while that stream is going on you you look at the way we get news now from the internet um to the 24-hour news cycle to the constant um the conversation about what's happening in a comedic sense now that we kind of get our news with humor um, and and we look at our comedians um, and our satirists as actual people to tell us what's happening. Um, and on top of that, because we have so much like information and then words to different ways of, of trying to, to digest that information. And you look at YouTube um, and, and, and the rise of people like Jordan Peterson and others who are are, are shaping the world uh, through this constant um, speaking and this constant uh, updating of things um, and constant conversation. And so it's just so much information. And then because we have so much information, because the world has shrunk so much, we, we are able to know what happens everywhere and in every place. And I mean, I often joke that I can tell you with just a little bit of research what somebody ate for breakfast in the middle of nowhere in Australia, just because... Uh, of how you know because they took a picture of it and posted it on the internet which would have been impossible even 20 years ago for me to do um so so our world is changing and we have so much information so language becomes a very powerful uh mechanism to 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 get out truth to to tell people what's happening to tell people what you think to kind of define reality um but the problem with that is that language then also uh is is no longer uh, doesn't have any value um and so you have to you have to use a lot of it because now i mean it's kind of like a currency where i mean i would say even 20 years ago 25 years ago certainly 30 40 years ago words carried more weight what you said carried more weight what particular people said carried more weight it had more value and and there's really just been a devaluation of the spoken word and what we say and so we have to say a lot of things this is very difficult, I think, for the church because the church can get caught up in trying to uh, to be part of that, so trying to put out information and trying to talk and try to counter things and trying to lay out what the true foundations are and, and beat the drum. And and so there's this, this conflict within the church about how we might communicate what is true. Um, some people wanting to just hold on to the foundations, build some walls, protect their kids, and 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 almost be reactionary in their uh, Protestant mode to everything that's happening around them. While others are saying, no, we, we need to kind of to, to 
get into the public square. We need to 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 affirm what is true within the world that people are saying, and 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 try to 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 both critique the world and critique the church and 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 offer a different way and sometimes that way gets a little bit syncretistic it gets uh, sometimes it loses itself it loses jesus it's trying hard not to be offensive anyway because it feels like it's having to make up for a history of what it sees as um uh, a christian or at least judeo christian ethic that that has been uh oppressive to people and participated in the oppression of people um and, and so even in all of that we we have within the university at least when i i you know was going to college which is a while ago but it actually hasn't changed that much is that within philosophy and in the in the language um studies in, in linguistics where postmodernism comes from and you have these, uh, and and when you, we're looking at, say, uh, you know, uh, minority studies, all these kinds of things, postmodernism and minority studies sometimes marry, and sometimes they're they're actually at odds with each other, and yet they find themselves often politically on the same side of the fence, and so there's there's this conflict. In fact, I was reading an article just recently about how the Hispanic community is really upset within a certain school district because. Uh, of what is trying to be pushed in a sex education mode that they don't agree with and they make up most of the school and their voice is being shut down because the more progressive uh, people would like a more open um, sex ed that's mandatory for people and 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 so there's there's even here you have what is a pretty traditional liberal cause uh, minorities voice within um in the majority, and then you have the the another progressive idea is uh, sexual freedom and education um, coming against each other because there's some divergent views there, and they don't really know how to handle that. And so, even even in the progressive movement in the liberal side, you have conflict because there's a philosophy issue. But you then have on the conservative side the same issue going on when you think about just the, the the christian who is at a place where they their um their only voting thing at this point is uh is pro life and so if you there's a philosophy if you believe in life before um conception then you're going to protect life afterwards uh, and so if you don't then they have a feeling that you won't and and so they're they're single issue voters and then you have other Christians who who tend to be like, okay, no, we have to be a little bit more holistic about how we look at our politics and how we understand um, what we're voting for and who we're voting for. And then even within that conservative world, uh, we have people who um, have a hard time finding them. They can't be in the liberal progressive world and they can't be in the conservative world and they, they don't even feel comfortable in the moderate world because they're pro-life, but they're also you know, much more uh, liberal in their tax ideas and the way that they believe the government should take care of, of and help out um, the indigent and the poor um, and, and, and social programs and, and universal health care. But then they also uh, find themselves wanting and believing that we should stand up for what, uh, for the uh, person who is 
being taken advantage of in other countries and then so they have all of these divergent views and so we find a lot of people and we could go on about that but we find a lot of people in the middle not having any place to be and then there's another group of people who are just saying hey i don't think the scriptures even call us to be um people who are are supposed to be part of government we should take advantage of whatever our government gives us to get the gospel out but our job is to care for the people in front of us our job is to um, be driven by causes that god brings into our life and then allow those things to unfold Uh, but that there isn't like a, a system that we should kind of plug ourselves into to get ourselves uh, into government and control of things, but that we should be living out lives um, that invite people into something different. Um, and so politics is maybe three, four, five times, you know, down the steps of what's important to us and how we operate. And so there's, there's just, a, we're all over the map. And so at this point in time, in this very, this plurality of ideas and views, and that's just within, I would say that the, the Christian community and inside, you know, uh, yeah, well, it's in the Christian community, but we find ourselves in this place of, of almost what I would call like social anxiety where, where we, where all of us are now experiencing some level of anxiety because the ship, the foundations that we thought we were, 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 were um, steady and we thought the waters were calm. Now everything's being tossed everywhere and we, we don't even know how to talk to one another um, it's very, we're having a hard time disagreeing with one another. We've become very um, factional in the way that we operate. And, and, and I think this is dangerous because we really aren't talking about how to articulate the gospel to our neighbor. We're, we're, not, we're not at that place. Uh, we're worried about our political system. We're worried about um, our financial system. We're worried about our social system. And yet we're really not thinking that much about the neighbor's that God has put in our life. And when I say neighbor, I'm actually not saying your next door neighbor, like the person who lives next to you, though that would be included. I'm talking about your neighbor being the person that you interact with, the people outside of your family that you brush up against. These are your neighbors. Um, The people that you bump into, um, the people you talk to, the people that you have regular rhythms with who aren't side of your family. Uh, And so I think we we have to do some hard work in thinking those things through. and I think we're, we're all over the map. The other thing is I think we've become much more tribal. And I think in some ways this is good uh, within the church. I mean, people say, oh, the church is so fractured. And I, I, don't, I actually see more unity than I've ever seen within the church. But I also see more tribalism, that people are committed to their local body, to their local way of doing things. And if we can allow that to birth out some really cool creative things, that are being shared between tribes when if there's peace between tribes as you could say within within faith communities then you have something amazing because you have you have these little pictures of christ's body creating something beautiful from their music to the way that they worship to the way that they commune together to the special things that they offer um to the world around them and and so you get i think a much more powerful taste of who god is in a world that's um very chaotic and if those if these if tribes you know for example at least from my perspective here in tucson if tribes like 
mission and the village uh, can can offer very authentic spaces to to worship God, to find God, to um, to, to be creative in very unique ways, and then as they share things and pray with one another, and as others join them, you you have something powerful. And if that can be something that's all over the world, um, all over the U.S just all over Tucson, you have a powerful, powerful expression of the Holy Spirit. And I think you'll see things happen um, that you didn't expect to happen and healing will happen. So I I could ramble on and on about all of this, um, but I really don't have that much time. And I just thought since Andy was late and I would love to put up a podcast, uh, I would do this one. So guys, thank you for being part of this. Uh, The other thing I want to say before I end, though, is that this episode will be the beginning of season three, um, episode one. We have produced uh, 100 episodes, which is crazy for Faith Over Breakfast. Uh, And I think the quality's gotten better. We built two studios, one at the village and one at Andy's work. Um, And... I'm really excited about the things that God is doing with this podcast and with others that are happening out of both studios. So thank you for listening. Tell your friends about Faith Over Breakfast. Rate us on uh, iTunes and on Spotify. Share us if you have space to share us on Facebook uh, and Instagram. These things help the Faith Over Breakfast get out to other people.